This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 16 of the March to the Arch podcast here in this 2019-2020 college basketball season. On today's episode, we're really excited to be joined by Ethan uh, Hensey from Happening Hoops. We had a good conversation with him um, about the hoops that he's seen, where he sees Valpo and uh, other Valley teams. But before we get that, to that, how are we doing today, Baker? Oh, it's awesome. It's uh, I mean, it's December, Christmas time. I'm bells are ringing. So, so little known fact about me, I am Christmas is my favorite holiday. Okay. Um, it's there's. I mean, I challenge anybody that wants to say something different, but it's Christmas. The whole, the whole time of year, the music, uh, just everything about it's amazing. Mm-hmm. As, as where are you at on on the whole holiday spectrum? Are I am assuming Christmas, right? It's fine. Um, so it's not your number one. It's not my number one. Is and I swear this is not a Homer thing, but is Kashmir Pulaski Day, not Polish. But growing up, Kashmir Pulaski Day always fell on Arch Madness weekend, and we got it off from school. So we got to go to St. Louis early, or in that day, it was, it was sometimes on Monday, so the, conference, the championship was on Monday. So I knew when Kashmir Pulaski Day was coming, it was Arch Madness season. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, way, that's a pretty cool story. Uh, for me, it's just I love the Christmas holiday. I love Christmas music. I love... You know, getting together with people, I, you know, everything about it. It's it's amazing. The movies. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love a Christmas movie? Okay, what's your all-time favorite Christmas? Oh, I mean, it's Christmas Vacation. I yeah. would be. I, I mean, uh, the thing is, like, I know that's a lot of people's default one. Um, my family will constantly quote Christmas Vacation on Christmas. Yep. When we're together, and my wife, it drives her nuts. <laughs> but um, similar we, story. We love Christmas Vacation, and uh, chances are we watch it on Christmas Day as well. Like it's a, it's kind of a family thing for us. Is Christmas Vacation your? Yeah, it's definitely my uh, number one, and I do think it's the great, the goat, um, greatest of all time. Um, Elf, um, close second for me. I'm just not one of those sappy Christmas ones, like. Miracle on 34th Street. And, oh, yeah, I got no... Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of those. It yeah. just doesn't do it for me. Um, uh, yeah. There's some underrated ones. Jingle All the Way, The Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. as well. It's um, turbo time. The Grinch, I think, has to be really close for me up there. Yeah. Um, the Jim Carrey version, uh, it's it's high up there for me. But uh, Who's yeah. the Grinch of the Valley? I know who you think it is. Go ahead. I, I don't know who the Grinch of the Valley is. Um, I don't know. Uh, Wichita State, because they're gone. <laughs> um, I'll have to think through that one. Maybe we'll, you know what, for our Christmas episode, we'll go through Christmas <laughs> characters and who they are in the Valley. We could, we could, we could call Illinois State Tiny Tim, for, <laughs> because they're still waiting for a tournament bid. Yeah, they're going to be waiting for a while. Um, But let's jump into things. Yeah, so, um, all right, Valley fans, since uh, the last podcast, the Valley is 15-5. and um, Great, great record there. That's a week. Um, But overall, uh, the Valley is 51-36. and Um, So we got a winning record. That's uh, that's good. That's great. No, that's awesome. I... we were we were Debbie Downers on the last one, and now we're a little ex- more excited because, um, not necessarily because the Valley was winning some of these like crazy big games that opportunity games that we talked about, um, but for me it just was kind of like 
we were so down the dumps after losing all these games. It was great that they finally got a little momentum. I think that last Thursday or Friday they had like a seven and zero day or a five and zero day, mm-hmm. something like that. So it kind of felt like it. It kind of feels like we're back on the upswing. Yep. But I think we predicted that because this is what I consider kind of the get right weeks for a lot of teams. Is um, yes, we have some good wins in the valley that we'll cover. But you're kind of playing some of the lower tier conferences. Lower Folk State. Yes, that's (laughs) fair. Um, But so it's uh, a lot of teams getting um, their wins, but I wouldn't by any means put them in the quality wins uh, perspective. Sure. No, I, I I totally see where you're coming from. It's uh, but it's it's nice to see we're taking care of business. Yeah. So uh, staying along kind of the win loss column, um, one of the things that is kind of a bummer is that overall we are three and seven versus the Power Six conferences. Um, any reactions there? And yeah, really, we needed last week <laughs> to get to three and seven. Yeah, I don't love that, um, especially because we're going to talk about a game that um, I'm pretty darn bummed out about. Uh, getting the L in. Yep. So uh, in other headlines, you know, we're kind of in that season that um, it's, uh, they're going to start doing the weekly rewards. So I just want to touch on those. Uh, So newcomer of the week for last week was uh, Marcus Damask of SIU. Um, He also had another double-double last night against Norfolk. He had 18 points and 12 rebounds. Um, It it was a loss, but he put up 21 points against a decent uh, St. Louis University team. Um, Marcus, with Aaron Cook being out for the Salukis, uh, he's going to be kind of the engine for the Salukis moving forward. And uh, Valley fans, if you even got to see him play, uh, he's a freshman and he is a lot to handle. And he's just fun to watch. So um, uh, putting a spotlight on him is good. I'm glad to see him him get some accolades as well. Moving on to the player of the week, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, which much deserved. He is just torching it out there, Baker. He's awesome. Um, I don't. Uh, what what can we say? Honestly, it's he has been just phenomenal. Um, he's he is with Fazekas being out, especially. He's kind of keeping Valpo afloat, and we talk a little bit about that later on uh, in our interview. But it it just feels, man. He, he has to be on the short list going into Valley play for player of the year. I think Am I right? I think he's not even just on the list. He's at the top of that list where we stand right now. Yeah. I I can't disagree with you. His numbers are just insane. And um, I, really, I, I don't know what else to say about him. It's yep. just he's doing awesome. So um, I do want to put uh, something out there on the radar is if, uh, if you're a betting man, and I think you are, um, how many player – of the week awards will um, Freeman Liberty win this year. I set the over under at four. I'm going to say under. You're taking the under on that one? For sure. I, I was honestly in between uh, setting the over under at four and five. I was just going to say, you want to put this on the take board. I, I will gladly take the under. Not to disrespect uh, Freeman Liberty, but in my mind, I feel like there's, I, we're not, I, he's having an amazing standout performance after performance to start the season, but there's a lot of good players in the Valley. Yep. Nope. That's fair. I just, uh, he's uh, starting to be, to be the cream of the crop, rise to the top here um, in his play. And is, uh, real quick, so is, is, uh, going back to Domask, um, he's, Got to be in the hunt for freshman of the year? I would think so. Um, his numbers, um, especially now that Cook's out, he's going to have to take some of the offensive production from the Saluki. So mm-hmm. I think just from an opportunity perspective, I don't know how many true freshmen we have out there. 
um, getting the minutes he's going to get, and then also being relied on um, from their team to you know be the engine to go. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, obviously, I have a bias, but um, DJ Horn is getting a lot of minutes for Illinois State in the last couple of games, and he's really starting to perform. He had 13 in the last two games. Um, so he's definitely someone to look at as um, maybe someone who's going to compete with Domask up there. Uh, there's other players in the Valley, but I think Marcus Domask has to be the odds-on favorite at this point to be your freshman of the year in the Valley. Yep. Um, so anything else from uh, last week, Baker? Yeah, I mean, if we're just kind of looking down the, the games that there were, um, the, the thing that stands out to me is the loss of Missouri, the Missouri State loss to LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you I'll let you take that one first, and then I'll kind of get my thoughts off that. Yeah, maybe let's just kind of set the stage on how we're looking at last week. Is um, you know I think it's easy to to break things out into the good, the bad, the the ugly, right? Um, but this week I kind of broke it down into two categories: the good and the indifferent. Because in to my um, last week, nothing bad or ugly happened really in the back. Oh, I, I disagree. I think this LSU game is bad. Okay. I put it in kind of the indifferent um, uh, category. So th- they lost handily. They lost 73-58. Yeah. And the reason why I put it in indifferent is because I think I'm indifferent on Missouri State now. Whereas at the beginning of the season, I was so high on them, I thought they would win this game because they were going to be in the top 25. Um, I've said that every week, I feel like. Um, so I'm just like starting to turn indifferent on Missouri State. So I'm completely off Missouri State, and that's why I put this in the bad. And okay. I think this game was what really kind of pushed me there. Um, they didn't have Prim in that game. Which is huge. There's something going on there because his minutes are starting to uh, dwindle. But when he's in there, he was he's a force to be reckoned with. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, when I've seen him play, he's you know, he's going to be a load for teams in the Valley. Um I'm just completely disappointed in this team. They can, they just cannot get that one win that you that you wanted. And we talked about it earlier in the season. I know you brought it up that said, "Hey, if this team doesn't get rolling in non-conference, this could be a this could just linger all the way through Valley play." And I'm starting to so in in other words, when I say I'm off Missouri State, I am off them as being the favorite to win the Valley. Okay. Or even being in the conversation right now for the favorite in the Valley for me. Um, I probably have them fourth or fifth. Okay, at this and, point, and I think that's fair. and I think that's why I have this. This is a bad. I get what you're saying, indifferent, because it's a tough place to play. Going, going to Baton Rouge, I get all that. But to me, I think it's just kind of the culmination of the whole first month or so of Missouri State. Yep, I'm still just gonna hammer this home every time I talk about Missouri State. Is in the Valley is the formula for success transfer heavy, and I think that's playing out that it's not. Yeah, and 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 I, I know I'm being hard on them. They did just come off with a, a really great win. Um, yes, yeah. Murray State. So I don't want to hammer too much on Missouri State, but because um, Murray State, that's a good win. Because um, I actually put I, that. That's in the good. Yeah, um, no, and that is I'll, in the good. I, and I don't want to ignore that. Um, but to me, for a team to be, um, for a team to be that favor going in and kind of living, up, they're not living up to the expectations that I had, you had, or anyone had. Mm-hmm. Um, you would expect that they've had how many Power 5 games? Like four? Mm-hmm. And they haven't won a single one. Right. Yeah. Like, you can't lay an egg in every game. Yeah. Like, they're... And, it, and especially coming off the last one that they had where they got kind of blown out. Granite Prim didn't play. I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I don't know. You find, even, ways, even find ways to win games, you know? Yeah. And I think that's going to be the, the story of the season is they're not closing out well and they're just not even in the conversation. And, and, and like I said, I think that they are moving, for me, they're moving down in the, the packing order in the Valley. I mean, I think, obviously, Northern Iowa's blown yeah. right past them. Absolutely. Let's stay indifferent, um, Baker, because <laughs> I, I feel like we start off down in the dumps and then uh, we, we need pick-me-ups later on. So indifferent, um, this is borderline good, um, but I kept indifferent because it's a, a bad result. So SIU's playing well without Aaron Cook. Super bummed, like bad situation for SIU with Aaron Cook being out. Um, broken hand, um, hopefully be back for Valley uh, play. But but I'm just happy that SIU's playing well. They're getting some offensive production uh, from Marcus Damask, as we, as we discussed at length. But um, I'm happy with the effort, and I see improvement. Yeah, no, for sure. I think there's a, especially when they played, they played SLU, very difficult over mm-hmm. the weekend. Um, came back, Norfolk State, I mean, we joke about it because they're one of the bottom, like, 30 or 40 teams in the country. But... Mm-hmm. Um, a win's a win, and taking care of business at home is something that you like to see. Um, did you watch much of the Norfolk game? I mean, can, do you have any thoughts on it from talking to anybody? Um, I don't there? from last night. Um, we hit a ton of threes. I think we, like, um, you know, we top ten threes made, you know, all-time game type thing. Sure. Um, so I think that's a lot of just the quality of the opponent. Double-double for Domas? Yeah, double-double. You know, talked about that a little bit. Um, and McGill. McGill. Yeah. I'm. That's... Uh, that's the thing with Southern Illinois. They've got guys that can play. Um, you know, McGill, 34 minutes. He had 14 points last night. Um, I, that's the thing. They've got some guys that can play. It, they're going to be one of those teams that I think, in comparison to a lot of Valley teams, they kind of stink. But they're also going to be a team that can definitely beat anyone in the Valley. Maybe not everybody, but um, they're going to win a handful of games in the Valley. I don't see this as like a two or three win team. Agreed. Um, so moving on to my next uh, indifferent is Evansville. It's just more of like squandered opportunity. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So my indifferent is Evansville beating Western Illinois by four at home. Yeah, they Western see- Illinois was picked seventh in the summit, and there's nine teams in the summit. And also, how do you give up 86 points to Western Illinois? You shouldn't. <laughs> um, I don't know what's up I- with Evansville. I really don't either. Um, kind of cool. Sam Cumlinth made his uh, first start for the Aces. He's been a monster off the bench. So um, I, I just wonder if they're trying to um, switch things up. I'm kind of in that, especially we were so high on Evansville early in the season, especially especially me. I think I feel like I was driving the Evansville train for a little while there. But it's kind of one of those things. After the, after the Kentucky game, it's just been kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you watch them, the ball movement's not as much there as it should be. Um, granted, they've won three in a row against, uh, in my opinion, lesser competition. Uh, we'll see. I think that this week, uh, we'll touch on it, who they play this week, that I think is an ex- it's a great test game for them. Mm-hmm. But um, the 6-3 and three for Evansville, um, especially in the last few years where you haven't started off necessarily as well, um, still, still some good things going on there, but yeah, like you said, eighty-six points to Western Illinois. I think that's uh, as long as they. Won, I get that they won. Uh, Williams had a big game, but yeah, you shouldn't be giving up that many points to Western Illinois. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's go good. Let's go good here. Um, Brad, do you want do you want to get over with though the the one bad? Oh yeah, what's your bad? Um, well, my one bad was Missouri State, but I feel like if 
I feel like we might as well just get it over with and talk about Illinois State real quick before we get to the happy days okay. of the Valley. Um, they play. They gave me some optimism when they played at TCU this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they got killed on the offensive glass. I, um, I think it's going to be a challenging year for Illinois State. I think that they're going to be one of those. Um, I think more and more as the season's gone along, I think that they are going to be right in that six, seven, eight range in the Valley. I really do. Um, it's disappointing to me, but uh, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think losing they, – they were in the game with TCU. TCU is a pretty solid solid team to play against. Um, yeah. They hung around there. I think they were tied at 59 with about 11 minutes to go, and then TCU just kind of ran away with it a little bit. Um, but I saw a lot of good things. Um, I'm really impressed with um, some of the youngsters on the team. Um, DJ Horn, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really happy with what he's done. Um Reeves, uh, it's. It, I don't. I like what Torres does. I just. I don't think that this is a team that's going to compete for a Valley Championship or necessarily even the top four. Okay. So, but I don't want to. I'm. I. I know they did play a big game this week, and I, I. I'm not as down on their loss to TCU because I didn't expect them to win that game. I don't know about you. Do you have any thoughts? Just I think keeping it close that's a good sign. But I mean. Yeah. The difference in the game was they just killed us on the offensive glass, and that was it. My my only thought is like I just don't think I'm as down on them as you are. I think they're going to rail off um, five or four straight wins here. Um, they should. They shouldn't lose another game. In the so conference. I mean, I think you're going to get some momentum there, um, but you're going to hit a buzzsaw come conference season because you start off with you and I at home. It's actually going to be my daughter's first. Illinois State game. Oh, nice! So, um, so I know you're looking forward to that. I am. I am. I'm. She'll. Uh, she'll be decked out in her red bird red. So, there you go. like, do, do you have like the mini cheerleading costume or uh, outfit, or is it just straight red bird stuff? So, I think my wife's too cool for school on that one. She's yep. not as much into the whole cheerleader because she wasn't a cheerleader. Yeah. So, I think that. She, but um, there's definitely. I know Grandma's going to have a little bit of input as well on uh, what the little lady will be wearing. But uh, and my. My son will be there as well, probably, uh, you know, scarfing down some popcorn. So hopefully the Redbirds can win their next four, get to seven and five, go into that Northern Iowa game, and then we'll we'll see from there. Yep. All right, let's go good. Uh, yeah, let's let's get happy because I feel like I'm in the dumps now because I had talked about Illinois State. <laughs> We've got uh, Bradley <clears throat> Bradley over uh, the Bruce Weber Kansas State. Great uh, win. Team. Great win. Huge win. Great win uh, for um, the Braves. They're starting to come into their own um, a little bit in that game. Super bummed out that they lost the game prior to that against Northwestern. Yeah. Came back and had a really great win against Kansas State. I was over the – I thought that – I actually, after that first game, I was kind of like, wow, I think they're – I don't think they're going to win this Kansas State game. So um, it's, it's just – God, they are just so, though, like it is the most up-and-down team you'll ever see in your right. life. Because now and, – and just the other night, they lost to Memphis. It's like – what team is going to show yeah, up? I think it's. I think the comparison for them is Evansville, like from an up and down. Whereas I think Evansville is now plateaued. Bradley is still just going to be up and down this entire um, non-conference season, in my opinion. Um, we don't know who shows up. Like, you know, against Memphis, Childs had uh, twenty-one points. They um, shot the ball terribly. Yeah, I mean, it, they're just in. I can't figure them out. Uh, I cannot figure them out either. I think it's so. Let me let me pose. I got a question for you on Bradley. If Bradley, if if Bradley went through the regular season in the Missouri Valley, and if they were in the play-in game, would you be completely floored as the seven seed? No, 
I, I would not. Either. Here's why. Anything lower than seven, it's just because I think tiebreakers are going to be so weird this year, just like they were last <laughs> year. And so it's like last year with Illinois State. And that's bumped. and that's what I compare that's, it to. That's, where, that's, that's my that's comparison. Where I'm at on that. like, so like, do I think they will? No. No, I don't. In the top half of the valley. They might be in the one spot for all we know, but. Due to tiebreakers, I could see them getting pushed to the seven seed, just like Illinois State did last year. I think that, and I th- and we'll talk about it, especially when we get to as we get through all the other teams. But you think about it. I wouldn't be shocked if Northern Iowa, Missouri State, Drake, uh, Evansville, um, and whom else am I missing? Indiana State. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of these teams in front of them that I wouldn't be shocked if they finished behind. Right. Um, but I also wouldn't be shocked if once they they get to Valley play, they flip the switch and then they go, yeah. you know, twelve and six, thirteen and five, get first place, and then win three easy games in St. Louis. Like that's I feel like their ceiling and their floor are just the the range they can go is just yeah. insane. Um, I think one thing too is just the amount of minutes Childs and Brown is playing in the Memphis game. Childs played thirty nine minutes. Um, yeah, Brown played thirty five. So over the course of a season, if they're going to um, have to carry that much weight, that could get him. That could be an impact. I agree, and I wasn't particularly impressed with uh, Daryl Brown the other night in that Memphis game. I just he was one of sixteen. Was he? <laughs> I I don't know what was what was going on with him. Uh, he's got to play a lot better than that. Yes, absolutely. One of sixteen is just you. You can't do that. Yeah, no, it just didn't feel like he. You could just tell the body language. He was just so discouraged. In the Zero of eight from of three. It. Yeah. As you keep moving down. But, yeah. okay. Um, but that's still, let's get back to Bradley. They were in this good conversation. So, <laughs> it was a good win last week. Um, Sorry, Vance. I keep, I, I'm, I'm trying to bring you in the down here. You're trying to be happy, and I'm trying to be upset. Along those lines, uh, Northern Iowa over South Carolina to close out the Cancun Challenge. That's a good, another power six um, win. You and I had a good Cancun challenge. You know, obviously bummer um, that they didn't get the, get to the should be game. should be nine and zero. Yep, but um, hey, they still um, showed up well. Took care of business in the game, in the second game. There, uh, real happy with that. Um, um, went over South Carolina. So also um, <laughs> the Valley. This is kind of a personal one. The Valley went two and zero over Murray State last week. That takes uh, the Valley two and one against Murray State with. Uh, Drake um, and Missouri State beating them, and Southern Illinois being the loss to Murray State, and they play Evan and Murray State plays Evansville later on the season. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Drake. I'm still kind of in there. They're coming to their own, um, just with Tramel Murphy coming back. Um, that's kind of how I feel about Drake. Is I, I'm giving them a little bit of a. I, I'm kicking the can down the road because <laughs> they haven't been at full strength. Any thoughts on Drake? I like Drake a lot, and and I, we talked about this earlier in the year. I think that this is going to be a team that once we get into Valley play, when they finally kind of, um, you're going to get to see everything that Drake is. Yep. Um, and I think that Drake, right now for me, top of my head, I think that they're in the, in the conversation with Northern Iowa. Um, I think I've seen enough from Drake this year that I will – I'm ready to at least put them in that conversation. Yeah, at the top of the league. So I just want to plug the take board that um, for the end of the season, I have Northern Iowa um, over Drake. I will say I don't feel as good about that one, especially how well Northern Iowa has played. But I still think enough of Drake, especially with now with Murphy back. It's I'm starting to I'm starting to get more excited about Drake. Okay. 
Um, and then my last good is uh, Indiana State on a four-game winning streak. Um, I watched uh, um, the second half of the North Dakota State win uh, Tuesday, um, and that was just a – Tyreek Key took over in the second half, and it was just a second-half uh, buzzer-buzzer um, win. North Dakota State was a preseason summit um, uh, pick to win it, so that's a great win, and they're – look out for the Sycamores. Yeah, no, we were talking about this this morning even um – this is one of those teams that now we're starting to think about. Yeah, you know what? I'm not. Maybe they won't finish in the play-in games. Mm-hmm. They those two guys are legit. They've won four in a row. They've been impressive, like you said, against North Dakota State. Um, and their losses aren't to bad teams. Right. They lost to Dayton by five. Who oh, look how da- good Dayton was in Maui. Yep. Um, they lost to Louisville, who's the number one team in the country, which. They made a 15-2 run in that game where they came back and actually made it competitive before Louisville kind of blew them out. Um, they, the Ball State game, I can't really explain. They lost by 14 at uh, Banker's Life, which I can't explain that game because Ball State's not very good. But Duquesne is like 8-0. Yeah. So that's another really – and they only lost by three. Um, so it's not like Indiana State's been playing these, you know, quote-unquote junk teams and they're mm-hmm. getting beat. They're playing good teams and they're lo- they're losing those games. And, you know, Dayton by five, that's a really good – that's a good loss, I, in my opinion. Yep. No, and, they, and, and if you look at their schedule, just kind of looking forward, um, Wright State I know is uh, – Seven and two right now. They're they're going to be a they're going to be a tough matchup. But this is a team that could start building that momentum, and we'll talk about their upcoming games. But um, these are, they, they got a few momentum games coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm starting to kind of. I said it last week, um, and you kind of um, scoffed at it, but scoffed at it. But I, I think they. Yeah, but that was last week. That was. We <laughs> <laughs> were even more down in the dumps last week. All right. Um, so that's that's kind of it for last week. Any any closing thoughts, Baker? Are we good? No, no. Let's just uh, let's start looking into next week. All right, uh, we've got Ethan from Happy Hoops joining us today on the March to the Arch podcast. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. Um, so we're in the middle of the or in the middle of the non-conference season. Um, Ethan, what's, what gets you excited about the college basketball season each year? I mean, what, what doesn't get me excited? Um, you know, the, the upsets, the the good conference rivalries, um, you know, the, the, the senior moments, uh, it's like the last time, you know, you're, you're taking the court. Um, it's, you know, everything gets me excited about college basketball. Absolutely. And I think we've had a good, uh, good non-conference season for some mid-majors. Maybe uh, before we jump into some questions, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of your background with Happening Hoops. Yeah, so um, I am currently a senior at Valparaiso University. I'm majoring in geography, minoring in communications. I'll be graduating in May um, and then probably looking to go on to grad school after that. Uh, I started Happening Hoops kind of my, my freshman year. I just started a Twitter um, as a way to just like tweet about college basketball and not like talk people's ear off. <laughs> um, and then kind of it developed into... Uh, one of my friends wanted to put us on the campus radio station, and so we did that, and then I created a website, and now I've been covering games and um, kind of going all around the Midwest when I'm back home in the East a little bit. Um, and, yeah, and then I started a, a CBI CIT bracketology as part of that, and that's kind of, like, exploded, and I'm, I'm shocked at the, the amount of, you know, uh, coverage that gets. And, and yeah, but it's it's just been a great time, and I'm looking forward to this last year, kind of going around the Midwest one last time and, and checking out places that, you know, 
I really enjoyed and, and covering some more games. Yeah, so uh, maybe uh, talk through what's your favorite place that you've ever got to cover a game? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I'd say probably... I'd say probably Purdue. Um, I covered there earlier this year against Green Bay, and their environment is just like nothing else. Um, it's like, I mean, even against, you know, a lesser team like Green Bay, it's just like so loud in there. and The fans are so passionate. Um, but I, I've been really blessed to have the opportunity to go around to, to a lot of places, and that and that's just one of them, you know, Butler and uh, DePaul and Illinois and Northwestern. So, in addition to a lot of mid-majors, so very fortunate cool. for that. Cool. Um, we'll jump into it, but I, I, out of curiosity, how did you get into the CIT, CBI interest and becoming the premier bracketologist for it? Yeah, to, to tell you the truth, I don't really entirely know myself. Um, <laughs> I, I went to one um, Loyola, Maryland CIT game in like 2013. They were playing like Kent State in the second round. Um and that was back when Jimmy Patsos was there. And the team was pretty good, and I, I liked it. And then um, had always kind of followed it a little bit since then. Uh, but then it got to the point when I was doing Happening Hoops that I was like, you know what? I like paying attention to and following these tournaments. Not sure how many other people do, um, but I, I enjoy it. And there's people that do NCAA bracketology. There's even a couple people that do NIT bracketology. But there was nobody that did... CBI and CIT. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I work at this? And then been doing it for a few years. Feel like I've I've mastered it pretty well. And uh, I am fortunate to to kind of be the place that people go now for information on that. Yeah, that's really that's cool. Really especially because I know there's a lot of Missouri Valley teams that look into those tournaments, especially if they kind of finish uh, not necessarily near the top of the valley. But uh, kind of switching gears into the Missouri Valley, um, kind of overall thoughts on. Um, you know, what are your observations been so far from this? And, uh, you know, whether it's Northern Iowa's nice start, whether it's the big Evansville win, kind of what stood out for you? Yeah, um, I, I would go with probably Northern Iowa has been really impressive. Um, you know, obviously six and one or sorry, eight and one. Um, and I was watching the end of the West Virginia game. That was one that they, they could have had there. Um, a few bad calls from the ref, uh, but they got the South Carolina one. And then they'll have Colorado coming up next. I think that they're the team to beat right now in the Valley. Um, Evansville's win was obviously impressive. I would like to see them follow it up with that uh, home win against SMU, but unfortunately weren't able to do it. That seems kind of like a trend this year for for the Valley, like close, but not quite. Uh, it also happened with, you know, Illinois State against UCF and Valpo against uh, Cincinnati. And so, unfortunately, it's it's been kind of happening a lot, but – there's still plenty of time in the non-conference to turn it around and looking forward to seeing what the Valley teams can do. Yeah, I think it's been a bummer in the sense that the opportunity was there for some of what we thought at the beginning of the season, those upper echelon teams um, to get some pretty good statement wins. And, you know, Missouri State comes to mind the most is they had the most opportunity and just didn't execute. So we're back into this realm of unless you and I can really go on a run here and almost, you know, I would say, go perfect in the Valley um, there's no real opportunity for another um, at-large bid. It's going to be the automatic only in the Valley, which, you know, as Valley fans, we always get bummed out, out about. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, I think we're all going to be rooting for you and I, except for, you know, each fan base when they play them. Because, uh, yeah. as you said, they really are that, that hope that we're clinging to <laughs> for a, a potential multi-bid Valley. But right now, you know, 
And it's it's just a shame. It's the way that college basketball is going in general with a lot of mid-major conferences. Um, that it's just it's difficult to get multiple bids, and it's going to be even harder moving forward with all the high major conferences going to twenty league games. Yeah, no, I, I see that as a problem as well. I think that there's a, I think we might have another wave of realignment coming sooner rather than later, especially when you hear some of the the football schools talking about like your Texas Oklahoma. Um, but just keeping in the Valley, um, I know you obviously, uh, uh, see a lot of Alpo, so, uh, I definitely want to get your firsthand look at them. Um, thoughts on them. I know the, uh, I mean, Freeman Liberty has been tearing it up, uh, and that's putting it lightly. Um, your thoughts about them, uh, is maybe kind of that under the radar team going forward that I think is kind of opening some eyes from Valley fans. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there when you're saying under the radar, um, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they finished not, or 10th and 9th the past two years. And so they're not a team that a lot of people are looking at, uh, but they're they're five and four right now as of the time of this podcast being recorded. And um, all of their losses are not bad losses like they lost to St. Louis on the road. It was an NCAA tournament team last year. Uh, a loss to Nevada, a loss to Cincinnati, and then um, a loss to Eastern Michigan, who is one of the best defensive teams in the country. So they're, you know, they haven't had any bad losses, which is good. Um, and yeah, Freeman Liberty has kind of been really just exploded this year. Um, they don't really have a clear number two or even number three behind him. Uh, but as of right now, they haven't needed that yet. It's been a little bit disappointing that Ryan Fazekas has been out. Uh, he seems to always, for whatever reason, kind of get the injury bug. Um, but this team is still learning its way. I mean, we had, I think it was five or six departures from last season, a lot of them upperclassmen. And so particularly in the front court, Valpo is pretty thin. Um, I know Emil and Ben and Malik are kind of the main players. Malik is the only one who's kind of had experience there before playing at Valpo in the front court. But I certainly like the young talent, and I think that this was a pretty good schedule that Matt Lodick and Luke Gore put together to, you know, try to make it so that Valpo has an above 500 record heading into Valley play. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise uh, with Valpo is that how you've been able to, you know, overcome a lot of the adversity, get some wins even without Fizikas being out. Because uh, personally, at the beginning of the season, I thought. Um, you know, the, you guys were just going to be a one-two punch with uh, Freeman Liberty and Fazekas, but really the team has come together very well and, um, you know, getting some some wins. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Sackey's another guy who has been playing quite well. Um, he's up there. He, he's probably the, the quickest guy on the team. Um, doesn't get as much love as Freeman Liberty because he doesn't quite put up the numbers, but he's just as integral to Valpo's success as Freeman Liberty. Yeah, so, um, you know, you guys had a lot of defections at the end of last season. Um, do you think a lot of that might have to, like, I really do just think Valpo is only going to get better as they start playing together. But, you know, I see Valpo as that team that started to become kind of the new college basketball norm where you have some good players, then uh, you get caught by the transfer bug, um, the opposite of injury bug. Um, do you think that uh, – you have the kind of the young components there to build something into the future. Yeah. I think presuming everybody stays four years, which in college basketball nowadays is never guaranteed. I think that Valpo could be at a point where, you know, are they necessarily going to win the Valley with this class? Maybe, maybe not, but um, they'll definitely be up there competing hopefully in another two or three years. 
And yeah, just it's it's been good because they're building this year with a lot of young players, and then you're going to kind of harvest the the fruits of your labor uh, later on. And you know they they'll still probably be competitive this year. Hopefully a top half finish. Uh, but you know it's it's more just about getting the young guys those reps this year. Yeah, real quick on the whole Fazekas thing. Um, do you have any update on him? Have you heard anything uh, being on campus at all? Is there any? Yeah, I. I mean, I from what I've heard, you know, and and this, you know, I don't even know how well, you know, sourced this is, but just the rumors I've heard is probably you know, he'll be out till maybe like Valley play. Um, but I really have no clue. I'm not a doctor. I'm somewhat plugged into the team, but not <laughs> tremendously yeah. plugged into the team. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's we're at that point of the season. Like why come back early? You know, it's really going to be all yeah. about the Valley season and yeah. three days in St. Louis. <laughs> and really in, in particular, you know, uh, unlike other college basketball coaches, Matt Loddick plays injuries very close to the vest. Like even the three beat reporters that we have here, he doesn't tell them, like anything about injuries um, just because he feels it's like a competitive disadvantage, which I, I get. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm saying like, like truthfully, I don't actually know anything about Fazegas. That's just like one rumor I've had that I'm not sure is true or not. Um, but you know, I, so it, it, yeah. it could be something to just throw us off the scent. I don't know. But um, <laughs> if I remember, yeah, right, I, I really have no idea when he's coming back. Just yeah, speculation it, from one person. If I remember, uh, Lodic is the one that uh, loves to play the HIPAA card in press conferences. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just kind of switching gears real quick, just kind of on a national stage, just as for my curiosity, especially because you've been covering a lot of things. Um, is there a team that's uh, been your biggest surprise? I know a lot of people say DePaul, and I know uh, rightfully so with their great start, but um, maybe a team that you're kind of like, that, that no one was talking about, maybe a mid-major that you're just kind of like, wow, this is a team you don't want to see on your line in March? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just I'll briefly touch on DePaul there. I was I was there actually last night um, covering when they were playing Texas Tech, and um, anybody who doubts correct. that DePaul is back, I can tell you that they are most certainly back. <laughs> um, you know, well, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. You know, as of right now, I'd put them in the NCAA tournament, but they could end up falling to the NIT. We don't know. But they're they're definitely back and contending for something. Um, now, on the mid-major level, uh, I don't know. I mean, San Francisco has looked pretty impressive so far. Um, I like what they've been doing. Uh, I, I, I'm impressed with my own team, Loyola Maryland, and that they're better than years past. Now, you were saying, like, a team that, you know, could give someone some scares on the seating line. I don't even know if they'll make it to the NCAA tournament, but I've been impressed with what they've been doing so far. But if I had to pick, uh, pick you know, one or two teams, I'd say probably San Francisco and actually UMKC out of the whack. They've been doing pretty well so far. Yeah, it's interesting you said San Francisco, uh, Ethan, because that's actually who I would have picked. Um, they played my Salukis uh, earlier in the season. And just looking at that team and where they were picked in their conference, um, I think they're going to overachieve and, could easily sneak in getting that at large at uh when come ncaa time yeah the wcc is is so difficult though because like if you're a kind of middle of the road team in that league you know you could go 20 years without making an ncaa tournament it's it's beneficial in the fact that you get the money that gonzaga and and to some extent st mary's and byu are bringing in but it's not beneficial in the fact that you can never you know break through 
because uh, those teams have such a, a stranglehold on uh, the WCC tournament. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, it, it's just it's going to be a fun college basketball season, especially in the Valley. The Valley is going to be a one-team uh, league. But, you know, the Valley Championship, regular season championship, means something to fans like you and I. Um, so with that, um, do you have anything for us? If not, um, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, just thank you guys once again for having me on the podcast here. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Happening Hoops. Uh, I got a website, happeninghoops.com, and then my radio show is uh, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on uh, 95.1 FM WVUR in Valparaiso. Very cool. No, hey, we've enjoyed it, and I think we're going to have some uh, more conversations definitely online, and uh, would love to have you back on the podcast here uh, later on this season. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on once uh, once things kind of get rolling, uh, maybe mid or middle to the end of the Valley season, especially to kind of see uh, where you have the Valley team for the CBI, CIT. That'd be great. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Uh, thank you once again. Hey, thank you once again, and this has been Ethan from Happening Hoots on the March to the Arch podcast. You just heard from Ethan from Happening Hoops, who is the premier CIT and CBI bracketologist. So on today's Deep in the Valley, I wanted to dive into the Valley history in these two tournaments. The Missouri Valley has had their most success in the CIT, or the College Insider Tournament, with most recently Evansville being the champion in 2015, and also Missouri State won the tournament in 2010. Bradley was the runner-up in 2009. Moving to the CBI, or the College Basketball Invitational, Creighton was the runner-up in 2011, and Bradley was also the runner-up in 2008. This has been Deep in the Valley. All right, uh, kind of looking ahead to the Valley this week, um, I'm going to summarize this next week, is that, Baker, there's a ton of garbage games. <laughs> um, not that I'm not going to watch, but um, there's just... N- a lot of games don't stick out to me. There's three that stick out to me um, over the course of the week. Um, so, and that starts Saturday. So Evansville versus uh, Miami of Ohio. Miami Ohio is on a three-game uh, losing streak, uh, but they beat Drake earlier in the year. So that's another one that I, I can't figure out. Evansville. Um, we've got a comparable game with them. Uh, just looking looking forward to that one because I feel like that's just kind of a mid-major game. Yep. Um, also that day, so on Saturday, um, we've got Indiana State at Wright State. I'm really excited about this game just because uh, if you listen to the segment before this, you know we're pretty high on Indiana State right now. Um, Wright State's seven and two, and they just beat a quality Western Kentucky who had beat Illinois State handily earlier in the season. So uh, that's the game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, one more on uh, Saturday, going uh, kind of touching on Illinois State. Uh, they're sitting there at three and five right now. The Redbirds they got a home game this weekend uh, against Moorhead State. Um, I think that's another kind of a an, an Moorhead OVC team. So kind of a game you should win Illinois State and kind of get back that try to get some momentum before we hit. Uh, Valley regular season. Yeah, this weekend, looking at Saturday, I think the Valley can go 7-0. and um, Oh, I don't. Like I, I, I completely agree with you. Rounding out that, you've got North Carolina A&T at Bradley. That's got to be a win. Uh, Quincy at Loyola. Um, and then SIU's going to Southern Miss. Um, and so, oh, and then SEMO is at Drake. So I really see us going 7-0 and on Saturday. 
I, I think so. I, I, I think SIU Southern Miss might be the one. That's the miss. one. That's um, the one I'm but, looking at. Uh, I think it can happen. Yep. Uh, moving on um, to Sunday, uh, Central Michigan's at Valparaiso. Um, yeah, Valpo should win that game, especially at home, but uh, I wouldn't sleep on that game either. Yep. And then uh, moving on to uh, Tuesday, uh, the, the game I'm most excited about. Maryville versus Bradley? Um, close. <laughs> um, you had a 50-50 shot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Northern Iowa at Colorado. So Colorado is ranked uh, number 20th right now, and they're undefeated. Uh, they won't be because they play Kansas um, at Fog Allen, um, I believe, Saturday. So I think this is another good good game for Northern Iowa. If they win this one, um, look out. If they win this one, then they are the clear-cut favorite going up. Will they give votes? Oh, I think so. I th- are they even? They might. I, I, think, I honestly don't know. I think that if they beat Colorado and they don't have like a bad loss between the Colorado game and I don't know if they play another game that week, um, I think they definitely will be getting votes mm-hmm. for sure. Especially because, um, I mean, fair or unfair, Northern Iowa is more of a name than, any, than a lot of other the mid-majors. I mean, Northern Iowa has a history in the past decade of making tournaments and winning tournament games. So I think that'll help them. But yeah, win this game against Colorado. I don't know a ton about Colorado. I just know that they're playing really well. Um, ranked 20th in the country. Uh, great game for Northern Iowa to have on their schedule. That's a ch- that, that's a challenging game. And mm-hmm. um, with what I've seen out of Northern Iowa, I'm, I've been impressed in the games I've watched now. Um, hopefully they get that done. Yeah. Um, and then rounding out the week uh, on Wednesday, Arkansas State at uh, Missouri State. Yeah, Missouri State's got a couple of games this week. Uh, they've got this game, and I can't remember who the other game is. Uh, Mississippi Valley State, maybe, is yes. the other one? Yeah, I think they're um, playing today. I think that's those are two games where I'm kind of, uh, let's win these games, Missouri State. Um, let's get people in you know Springfield, Missouri, excited about your team. But um, just kind of overall, um, yeah, like you said, not a real... Uh, not a real exciting stretch of games, but um, I guess one more thing, touch on Missouri State, um, just looking further ahead. Um, with these next two games, the Mississippi Valley State and then the Arkansas State, um, win those two games, and then you do have a date with VCU before you get into Valley play, which another that'll be a really good test for them to at least uh, play a really quality team. And yep. I think that'll there's your last chance to get your your non-conference game, non-conference. Yep. Big win. So, all right, uh, that's looking ahead uh, in the valley. All right, this has been episode 16 of the March to the Arch podcast, where uh, we were joined by Ethan from Happening Hoops. We uh, reviewed the week prior and we looked ahead. Um, Baker, where can people find us? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at March Arch Pod. At March Arch Baker, uh, send us emails to marcharchmailbag at gmail.com. We finally have caught up on that. So if you have sent us an email, we've actually replied back by now. Um, so, yeah, keep them coming. We, uh, we love all the feedback, and we love uh, interacting with you fans. And uh, definitely give Ethan a, a follow on uh, Twitter and check out his site. Uh, a lot of good information on there for you, especially throughout the year. All right, and with that, I'll say Go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?